Judges chapter 16 tonight. Judges chapter 16. I forgot to put down the names of all the judges again. I, I knew I was going to forget to do that. Judges chapter 16, so I'm not going to try to say them because I'll embarrass myself. I think I've almost got it. But Judge, we're going to continue talking about Samson tonight, though. This is the final chapter about Samson. And um, the last couple weeks when we have talked about him, you know, we've talked about the fact that God was going to be glorified one way or another in Samson's life. God had a purpose for Samson's life and God was going to get it fulfilled one way or the other. And we're going to see God's purpose fulfilled. Uh, but again, it doesn't necessarily mean a great ending for Samson. So we're going to see a great triumph in his death, but it's also a tragedy because Samson was not doing things the way God wanted him to. He was very disobedient. And so this is a, it's a, a, an important reminder to us to just understand there are some things God's going to get done one way or another. And we just need to determine we are going to be uh, cooperative when it comes to God's plan. Because when we cooperate with God's plan, then we can be blessed. We can have joy and happiness. But if you're going to fight against it, just understand you're going to lose. You're, you are going to lose. And somehow or another, God's going to get his will done. And, uh, but it's going to be tragic for you in the end. So we're going to uh, look, start at verse 1. Notice what it says. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. So right here, I mean, we see Samson again getting in trouble with the woman. Now, it's hard, it's hard to say for sure, but it would appear that where we're at now in the story could be roughly 20 years later from the last story. So we saw where he had married the woman from Timnath, which he shouldn't have done. That was a bad idea. That was against God's laws for them. They were not to be intermarrying with the Philistines, but he, he decided to do it and all kinds of troubles happened as a result. But then the chapter ends talking about how he judged Israel 20 years and it could just be given a summary of his life as a whole. I, I can't say for sure what the timeline is, but either way, when we get to another specific story, we see him messing up again with a woman going to a harlot. This is not a good thing. He is not pleasing God with the way he is living his life, but God is still going to take care of the Philistines and he's going to use Samson to do it. And so notice in verse two, and it was told the Gazites saying, Samson has come hither and they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. And right here we are seeing an another amazing feat of strength with Samson. Now the Bible does not tell us what that way, but understand these gates were meant to keep people out. The, the doors that they had, uh, you know, they were meant to keep out invading armies and typically you have an invading army, uh, it's going to take several men. It, uh, usually they'd have to have a battering ram or something to go through the door. And so the fact that Samson's able to pick this thing up, bars and all, I mean, this is uh, a supernatural act of strength that he's doing. He carries it to the top of a hill. And so this is, this is incredible, you know, what he did 
right here. I mean, it's kind of like a superhero story, you know, and it, it, it really is amazing. But understand this strength that he had. I, I, and I'm going to show you this here in a little bit. I don't believe Samson was like just this, you know, gigantic muscular individual because people wondered where his strength came from. Unlike with Goliath, you know, who comes later, you know, when it came to Goliath, everybody knew why he was a great warrior. He was big. You know, he was a giant. So, there, you know, there was nothing really supernatural about Goliath's abilities. But, you know, the truth is, if you're that big, if you're six cubits in a span and you have strength and you're a warrior, it's going to be tough. You're going to be a tough, tough person to mess with. But Samson, they didn't know where his strength came from. So, said, I, I, I'm sure he didn't look like a you know, little weasel or anything like that. But at the same time, uh, he was doing things that a guy his size shouldn't have been able to do. And, it's be, and the Spirit of God would come on him, and God used him. And so this is just kind of a, a cool story uh, that it throws in there. But then it says in verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And, and notice, too, how in many of these stories that we've seen with Samson, that when he got this strength to do something great, like killing a lion, you know, when it came to fighting the Philistines, it was always in situations where he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do, and he ended up in danger. And you know what's happening? He is not heeding the warnings from God. And part of that is because God's being merciful to him, and God's letting his spirit come on him. He's given him great strength and given him victory. And just understand, what I believe is going on here with Samson is he's getting kind of cocky. He's not, he's not heeding the warning. And when, you know, when you're doing something you know you shouldn't do and bad things start to happen, okay, or bad things almost happen, just that is your signal to stop doing whatever you're doing. God's warning you. And just because you didn't get killed and just because nothing happened doesn't mean God's on your side. No, that's God being merciful to you. God keeps being merciful with Samson, and so he, but he's just getting bolder and bolder. And he, he comes past, so he came past afterward. He loved the woman in the Valley of Sark, whose name was Delilah. And everybody's familiar with Samson and Delilah. But she is not the first woman he got in trouble with, but he, she was the last one that he got in trouble with. She was a problem for him. Uh, and let me tell you, lust and women have taken down many great men throughout history. And, you know, I, I believe that we should be very... Uh, harsh on pastors who fall into sin, commit adultery. I do believe they are disqualified from the ministry. I don't. I do not believe we ought to restore these people to the pulpit and things like that. But just understand that just because something like that happens, it doesn't mean the guy was unsaved. Uh, no, it just means uh, he fell. And many great men have fallen because of this. But understand, they fell. You know, and what we we've got a lot of preachers today. You know, who always want to bring up David, but David paid greatly for what he did. And they all just, they all want to translate that into no consequences. It's like, no, there's consequences. The guy's done pastoring, you know, when he, when he does something like that, but we don't always need to have our minds go to unsaved or even, you know, try to, um, you know, cancel out any good that they did in the past. No, they did those good things, but that lust, it ended up destroying him and stopped that, that ministry. And so we always got to watch out for that. And everybody should be on guard when it comes to this kind of thing. Every, everybody, 
And you might be godly today, but it doesn't mean that you can't fall in this area. It can happen to anybody. And so we always have to be on guard in this area. And women have taken down many great men, many godly men throughout history. And, you got, and, and when I say women took them down, I'm not blaming the women. Okay? Understand, you know, ultimately the guy is responsible. Okay? But at, at the end of the day, um, Satan uses the temptation of women to take many great men down. So always be on your guard in that area. And so it says in verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And so understand too, when you use women the way Samson did, which is what he was doing. Okay, he's just he's using these women to fulfill carnal desires. You are never going to have a great loving relationship. I mean, look at what happened with his wife, the way she betrayed him. Okay? Again, he didn't go after her, though, because she was godly. He didn't go after her because they had this great relationship and they loved each other. No, he saw her beauty and that was all he cared about. And she betrayed him. And a lot of bad things happened as a result of it. And here, Samson's going to this woman, basically to use her to fulfill his carnal desires. And you know what? We shouldn't be surprised that she betrayed him, that she was bought off. That's what women like that are going to do. And so, uh, you know, even David, who was nearly destroyed by his lust for women, clearly never had a close bond with any of his wives. Remember what he talked about with John, when Jonathan died. He talked about the love that he had for Jonathan, meaning just that relationship, that friendship. It passed the love of women. You know why? Because he, you know, your wife should be your best friend. But good luck with that when you have multiple wives. It's just not going to happen. And so David, he never had that close bond, that close relationship with a woman like many husbands have had because of the fact that you know he loved many women. And that's not how things were supposed to be. And, and so uh, just understand too, and this is so important, but carnal lust can never be satisfied. It, it can't. You, you can never, you know, the, the flesh is just never satisfied with anything. And it's, but it's deceptive. People think if I can just have this, if I can just do this, then I'll be satisfied. It's not true. And contentment and true joy and many other fulfilling things, they can come from keeping the physical relationship within the boundaries that God has laid out. But just don't be deceived. Okay. Again, your carnal nature might long for some things and you might not feel like you're getting fulfilled in some area, but just understand when it comes to the more important things, when it comes to having real peace in your life, when it comes to having a good marriage and a good relationship, when it comes to having a good relationship with God, when it comes with, you know, just being able to live without guilt and all these other things, you can have that if you will keep that relationship within the boundaries that God has laid out. And anytime people step outside that, understand they've been deceived. Nobody ever steps outside God's rules for these things and walks away satisfied. Some might walk away having a good time for a little bit, 
Some might walk away having some pleasure in sin for a season, but nobody ever walks away satisfied. They always come back wanting more. They're never fulfilled. It's, it's being enticed. I'm, and I'm just going to hit several verses here along this line, but in Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey and increaseth the transgressors among men. So notice how that strange woman, she, she's a narrow pit. She's a deep ditch. She lies in wait. She's prayed. But how, how do they get you? The same way traps get everybody. They put something there. You know, you put that cheese on a mouse trap. You know, you put something there that that animal desires. But the thing is, while they might enjoy eating for a little bit, what's going to come afterwards, it's not going to be worth it. And that's how it is with a whore. It's, she, she's deceiving you. That's all there is to it. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids, for by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in unto his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with the woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. And I want to stop here for a second because why did he throw the part in there about the thief when he's been talking about adultery? And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you exactly why he did that. Because he specifically mentions don't despise a thief when they're stealing to just try to survive, to satisfy their hunger. I mean, people need to eat to live. Okay, but understand... There's a big difference between that thief who's stealing for survival, which is still wrong. He should still restore sevenfold. It's still wrong to do it. But we, don't, we can understand that. There's a big difference between that guy and the person who's stealing just to be selfish. And understand that when someone commits adultery, they don't need that for survival. They're doing it to be selfish. That's all there is to it. It's a selfish thing. And it, it's a really big, it, it, it's really bad. And it says, a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. So, just understand, it, it's important that we, we, we've, I, I'm afraid a lot of times as independent fundamental Baptists, especially ones who believe the reprobate doctrine, we just kind of get this attitude, we get this mindset where people who commit certain sins just must be reprobate. No. And that's a dangerous attitude. That's a scary attitude. There's a bunch of sins out there that anyone is capable of falling into because there are, there are some things that are deceptive. There are things that are seductive. And it's important that we recognize the fact that we are capable of falling in those areas so we can put up safeguards. And it is very important we keep safeguards in our life that we make rules for ourselves, even things that people make fun of. Remember when everybody made fun of Mike Pence because he talked about not being alone with women? And, pe and people mocked him for that. It's just like, 
That's actually something good about the guy. That's, that's wisdom. You, you know what he's doing? You know, he's, he's recognizing the fact that he could fall in that area. And I'm sure he loves his wife. I, I, you know, and, I, and, that's, and that's probably why he had that rule. Because he loves his wife. So, it, we, we all need to understand this. And Samson, again, Samson, while we're reading a lot of bad stories about him, remember, he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. So, I just say all this to just give everybody a, just a, another reminder to watch out for yourself, to beware, to take heed lest he fall. There's a lot of things that could trip us up, take us down. And it is important we understand that I do. I think men especially struggle with lust, but what is important is that we just learn to trust God and if necessary, just blindly follow the rules of the Bible in this area and you'll never regret it. Well, I don't get it. I don't care. Just blindly follow the rules of the Bible. You won't regret it. At the end of the day, at the end of your life, you won't regret it. Go talk to Sam. If, we, if you could have went and talked to Samson at the end of... Ch- Chapter 16, I guarantee you, tell you, stay away from them strange women. They are not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. So verse 6, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And I think it's obvious from what we read that, again, I don't think Samson was this huge muscular guy, but at the same time, it was an abnormal strength and they're going to, and so they're trying to find the secret. And Delilah has basically been told, we're going to pay you big time if you can figure this out. And so Samson said unto her, if they bind me with seven green wits that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as other men. Then the Lord of the Philistines brought up unto her seven green wits, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the wits, as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire, so his strength was not known. Now, this should have been a clue that Delilah was not on Samson's side. I mean, but here's, here's the thing. okay? And, and I'm probably getting into opinion a little bit here, but again, I think we can just use deduction and kind of get an idea of what's going on here. But when people get backslidden, they do often get very bold in their sin because they think they're getting away with things. And I think that's what's going on with Samson. I think Samson, he, God has bailed him out of so many situations. He's thinking, you know what? I'll get out of this one too. I, I think he's kind of getting cocky and arrogant. And let me tell you, that happens with people. You know, I've seen it before with even with with my kids. Kelly recently in church, she just kept getting up, kept getting up, was getting away with it. You know, I can't do anything. You know, it was during the song service. I'm up here. My my wife's, you know, all my kids are all doing music. And she just kept getting up, kept getting up. Thought she was getting away with it. But you know what? I was watching. And when we went home, when we got home, we had a conversation uh, about it. That's all I'll say about that. But, um, you know, and I didn't. I'm just. I'm just watching her, just go back and forth, just enjoying herself, loving the freedom, and but at the same, she had no idea. No, Dad is getting madder and madder every time she leaves. 
We've done. We've experienced that with most. Friends. I remember experiencing that with Tommy. I remember he did the same thing when we were at Lighthouse. He just kept running back and forth. Uh, you know, I'm up on the platform leading, singing. My wife's at the piano, playing piano, and he's just going back and forth. Nobody in the church is stopping him. You know, I, I told Brother Mark, I was like, you know, you can yell at Kelly and just you know, turn around. Nobody wants to be mean to other people's kids, you know. But uh, I, I gave him permission, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't want to be the bad guy. Let Daddy be the bad guy. But no, uh, and, and you know, and I think we're like that sometimes. You know, people get backslidden and they're doing one sin after another, and it's like God's in heaven watching everything. But it's like because nothing's happening, you get bolder and bolder and you do more and more. And I'm telling you, one of these days, God's finally going to get up and he's going to say, all right, enough's enough. I'm dropping the hammer on you. He's getting more mad every single time that you do it. So just just watch out for it. You, you think you're getting away with something. You're not getting away with anything. You're just you're not getting away with anything. There is going to be a reckoning without a doubt. And so uh, Proverbs 29, 1 says, He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So how was I reproved? Well, you know, hopefully you, you get some reproof when you're reading your Bible. Hopefully you get some reproof sometime when the preaching's going on. You know, and when, when that kind of thing happens, you know, maybe hopefully you get some reproof maybe when things almost happen. You know, but... A lot of times we just ignore these things. We ignore the reproofs. You got to pay attention. Uh, otherwise, one of these days, there's going to be no remedy. There's going to be no place of repentance for you. God's just going to drop the hammer on you. And so verse 10 says, And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And again, I can't understand why Samson allowed this to go on. She literally goes and binds him. Philistines be upon thee. They're hiding in her chamber, you know, but he, he's able to take care of them. And then he does it again. He said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound them therewith and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber and he break them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And right there this shows his hair was long. Because I don't know how you weave seven locks uh, you know, like that when you don't have long hair. So, um, but he, he did, I do believe he had long hair. And it says, And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death. And... And I see all the husbands smiling real big, all right? Because <laughs> we get it. Let me tell you. And this is a good lesson, too, for young men. That, that pretty girl, you better shoot for godly. You better shoot for great personality. I, I, get, I get liking the pretty. I get wanting the pretty. Samson got the pretty, but she's literally nagging him to death. His soul is vexed unto death. He can't. He's not even married to this woman or anything. I'd have just been like, see you later. 
<laughs> and moved on. But no, he takes this and just understand that godly woman with a good personality is better than the pretty woman with a dark soul. It, I'm telling you, and they are capable of making you miserable. And I'm telling you, uh, you know, just the, the, the stories I've heard. I mean, said I, I, I've worked in factories for many years of my life. And I, you know, I've listened to guys tell stories about their wives. And just, you hear some of these things. I've heard some Christian men tell stories about their wives. And it's just like, good night. This is, this is crazy. I was just thinking about somebody today that I remember, I used to hear, uh, I'm, you know, I, mean, I was completely fooled by this person. Completely fooled. I used to hear rumors about this lady and like things that she would do and ways that she would act. And I never believed it because I, I, I never saw it. But... They ended up leaving the church. This was this when our, we were at our old church. And I remember um, not long after they left the church, her and her husband got divorced. And I remember just being shocked by it. I mean, they'd been married for years, and I, I just couldn't believe they got divorced. I was blown away. It was like one of the first times somebody I knew really well got divorced. I was, I, you know, I've not been around divorce very much in my life, and I'm thankful for that. But, boy, I remember, uh, you know, after they got divorced, talking to her husband one time, and, boy, he started telling some stories. I'm just like, good night. And, you know, let me tell you, people can fool you. I mean, that, and this lady, too, one thing I remember about her, she was a fantastic cook. I mean, just fantastic cook. Some of the stuff that she would make was just unbelievable. And I thought she was nice. But let me tell you, she made that man miserable. And I, I, I heard those stories and then, you know, it, so just guys understand you better seek counsel. You better, you know, you better listen to the Lord, pray about it, you know, whatever you got to do. Cause, um, I, I think MGTOW people are stupid. Uh, I think, I think it's pathetic that they've just given up. I do think you can find a wife. You just have to look hard, but at the, at the same time too, uh, you know, there are worse things than being single your whole life. And that's being married to a royal nag. It's being married to a Delilah. It, it will, it, it's not worth it. And so, um, verse 7, uh, it's, or se- verse 17, I'm sorry, it says, Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, three times he's told her, you do this and I'll be like other men. She did it. And then here come the Philistines. So what was he thinking right here? Now, I'm going to give you an opinion about what I think he was thinking right here, because I think it's very possible that he was telling the truth. But I'm wondering if maybe there was a part of him that thought he still might have his strength even if he did cut his hair. Because remember, he already broke the part of the Nazarite vow. He'd been in a vineyard. He came at a dead dead thing. There's only one thing left. But he has been getting away with so much for so long. In his mind, I I think he knew that that's the last straw, cutting the hair. That's like the one thing where I've been obedient to God, but I can't help but 
think that he thought, I still think I could take those Philistines. I mean, otherwise, because I don't know what else he was expecting her to do. I have no idea what else he was expecting her to do after all these things had happened. And so, uh, verse 18, And when Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in, her, in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Now, he had to have known his hair was gone. He had to have known that. But he did not realize the Spirit of God had departed from him. He obviously felt the same way that he did before. And again, most of us in our minds right now, we think that if we were to participate in certain sins, it would just tear us up inside. And you know, and I think right now today, if you went and did that, it probably would tear you up inside. But the truth is people don't go from living for God one day to depravity the next day. It's usually a long, slow process. If I was to just go to a bar tonight and sit down and get and you know take a drink, I can't even imagine what that would do to my conscience right now. It, right now, I, I can't even imagine doing something like that. But at the same time, you know, if, if I were to do something like that, I'm not just going to go from where I am today to doing that tomorrow. It's a process. It's something that happens in your heart first. And, it's some, and usually, uh, you know, what people do, they, 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 they kind of test the waters with stuff. They kind of test things. And it's kind of like, like your kids do sometimes. You know, even little kids, they'll kind of test you a little bit. You know, when they're, when they're little, they'll see how far away they can get. And they watch you, waiting to see what you're going to do. And sometimes as parents, what do you do? You know, you kind of let them do stuff a little bit. You know, you, you kind of play a game with each other. And you, I think God does the same thing with us. You know, where we'll do that, where we'll just kind of, you know, we're, we know we're doing something we're not supposed to do. And like we're, we're watching, waiting to see if something bad's going to happen. You know, and you know what? God might let something good happen instead. You, you want to do that? You want to rebel against me? Go ahead and try that and, and see what happens. And, and but understand that's God being merciful. God's giving you a chance. God doesn't just control us all like robots. He let, he'll let you do some of these things and it's going to be a slow process. And again, and so again, what, what, like going to a bar, it's not going to happen tonight. But at the same time, if I start getting away from God, I start backsliding, I start messing with other sin, eventually I very well could be doing something like that. And we got to watch out for that kind of thing. And so it would, it would tear me up on the inside today. But at the same, at the same time, you know, if I ever become a drunkard, it's not just going to be going from preaching one night in church and just deciding to go to the bar out of the blue. It's going to be a, it's going to be a process. A lot of things are going to come before that. A lot of smaller sins are going to come before that. And so, verse 21, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house.
And again, that verse in the Bible where it talks about that he being hard, uh, off or proved hard at his neck, or suddenly be destroying that without remedy. You know, there's no remedy when somebody removes your eyes. There's no remedy from that. And there he is. He's just kind of a slave. I mean, these people hated Samson so much. They didn't want to just kill him. They wanted to use him. They wanted to abuse him. We see when they told Delilah that they wanted her to find out where his great strength came from is because they wanted to afflict him. Not just because they wanted to kill him. No, it had gone beyond that now. They didn't want to just kill this guy and get rid of the problem. No, they wanted to punish him and they wanted to punish him for a long time. And so they did. They had him grinding in the prison house. And it says, How be it, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And then the Lord of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were married that they said, Call for Samson, that we may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And let me tell you, one could only imagine how Samson felt at this point. He, he was supposed to be bringing God glory. God, had, God raised him up for a special purpose. God gave him special abilities so he could defeat the Philistines, so he could defeat these enemies of God. And Samson, because of his disobedience, now is literally surrounded by all these Philistines who are praising their false god. Praising their false god, thinking we, our God got the victory over Samson's God, even though Samson one time had killed a thousand of them at once and done all these things. At the end of the day, like, we've prevailed now. We have him. And so they're having a big celebration. They're having a big celebration praising a false god. That is the absolute opposite of what Samson was supposed to accomplish. He's supposed to be giving God glory, but there they are praising their gods that they have, drinking and making merry. And then they're like, you know what? Let's go get Samson just so we can make sport, just so we can make fun, make, make fun of him so we can humiliate him. And it did. I imagine it felt pretty good to watch Samson weak and to be led in blind by their people and just, uh, you know, how victorious it must have made these people feel during this time. And it says, and, and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon thou standest, that I may lean upon them. He's got a young man that's got to help him. And again, I, you know, I wish, I wish we were able somehow, sometimes to just go and take young men who are about to make foolish decisions with the woman and go let them talk to Samson right here. You know, if, if a lot of young men thinking about giving into some temptation, if they could go talk to Samson at that point and say, hey, Samson, is it worth it? What do you think he's going to say at that point? That woman at Timnath, that, that harlot, Delilah, were, were they worth it? You know, you don't even have to ask them. And let me tell you, all of us in here, you know, we shouldn't need to actually talk to these people. I think it's safe to say from what we're reading in the story, we know what Samson's answer would be. It's not worth it. Samson had been given great 
ability by God. He used these things for his for his self. He used these things for his own glory. And at this point in his life, he is full of regret. And folks, we do not want to go to the grave that way. All of us are going to go to the grave eventually. And you know, I, I want to be able to, when I die, I want to be able to enjoy knowing I'm about to cross over into heaven. I want to be able to enjoy the fact that I'm about to stand before the Lord. I, 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 want, to, I want to be able to look forward to that. I want to be able to be excited about that. And the, to throw it away for some of these sins, it's not worth it. Again, we can be deceived. We, and, and the Bible talks about uh, being like Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He compared to be like a fornicator. And that's what a fornicator does. A fornicator, for just a little bit of pleasure, they throw away so much. It's never, ever worth it. And But people get deceived. Just like all of us in here, we've all probably made financial purchases before that we greatly regretted later. It's like, that was not worth the money that I spent. And, and I'm telling you, when it comes to these sins, it's never worth it. And if we could only just have the wisdom to look at these stories and, and look at men like Samson and just say, I understand the temptation. I, I'm made out of the same kind of flesh. I understand the temptation that's there. But I don't want to end like Samson did. I don't want to end in humiliation and in defeat. I mean, I know, I know pastors or former pastors who, I mean, flushed their ministries down the toilet for lust. And, and, and I'm telling you, I believe these men love God. I believe these men still love God. And you know what? You talk to them, they are full of regret. They know that they are done in the ministry. They know they can never pastor again. And they would love to be able to do it. They loved serving the Lord. They loved doing the things that they were doing. And they would love nothing more than to be able to do it again. But they, they threw it away for some lust. And I, I've never seen any of these guys... Walk away like, yeah, I'm glad I did it. That's the one that's probably the reprobate. The one that after he does it, walks away like, yeah, it was worth it. No, if you're a child of God and God punishes you, you're not going to say it was worth it. It's just, it, that's not going to happen. And so Samson here, he's got to have this young boy help him lean on these pillars. It says, now the house was full of men and women and lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sports. So thousands of people are all together at once, all making fun of Samson. And, and, I, and I love this verse, but let me tell you something. Don't ever take these stories where God shows some mercy and let it embolden you to sin. That is, a, that is another foolish thing to do. Because either way you look at this, while we're about to see... A, a good thing happened for Israel. This isn't really a good ending for Samson. And so it says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which the house stood and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and the other with the left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might 
And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. And so a great victory for Israel. I mean, thousands. Of, I mean, there was just 3,000 on the roof. I don't know how many there would have been that died total, but he kills all of them. And, and this is another amazing thing. I mean, think about a, a building that's able to have 3,000 people on the roof and you've got to be able to push pillars apart like that to take a building down. Again, this is supernatural strength. And this is something that God gave him. And you know what? God's will was accomplished. God's purpose with Samson was accomplished. God wanted Samson to defeat the Philistines. Now, again, do, do we think it was God's will for it to go down like this? No, I don't believe it was. I believe if Samson would have stayed right with God, he could have defeated all those Philistines you know, with the armies of Israel. If he's there fighting along with them, they could have wiped them out no problem. God defeated um, thousands and bigger multitudes than that many times using all kinds of different things. There was the one story where they all started singing and the people all started getting killed. There's the, uh, you know, in the story of Gideon with the Midianites. We see they started breaking pitches, blowing trumpets, and then all the people started killing each other. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways God could have defeated the Philistines, but God had determined, God had, God had decided, I'm going to defeat the Philistines with Samson, but, and it got done, but it was a tragic end for Samson. One where he died in humiliation, full of regret. And so what we saw, just saw here in this story is one, we did see an example of God's mercy. And, you know, and understand, Samson didn't get to necessarily enjoy the fact that you know, God gave him this victory. But either way, God was being merciful to him and using him in this way. But again, we also were seeing God's will play out in spite of all of Samson's failures. And, uh, that's, and that's how things are going to be. We also see God being glorified through Samson, but Samson went to his death full of shame and regret. And folks, God was glorified there. I mean, anybody who has ever read the story about Samson and him defeating the Philistines, we understand that that power Samson had, it was from God. God gets the glory for everything that was done there. And that's how it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you right now, all of us have just got to get it in our head that I, and just say this in your heart, that I am going to glorify God with my life. One way or other, I'm going to, do you, do you, do you know that when people get cast into hell and into the lake of fire, God's going to be glorified in that? You know why? Because God's judging sin. But that's a terrible way for them to be glorifying God. I don't want to glorify God that way. I would rather glorify God through by putting my faith in Jesus Christ and believing His Word. God's glorified when we believe His Word. God's glorified when people believe the Gospel. But God, God's going to be glorified either way. Every knee is going to bow. Okay, I, I Understand, God is going to be glorified by all the atheists that are out there blaspheming God 
on a regular basis. God's going to be glorified when they are cast in the lake of fire. God's going to be glorified when they bow the knee. All these people who are following after them and that have respect for, you know, these, you know, uh, you know, the guys like Richard Dawkins and all these, you know, supposed uh, smart people that are out there always promoting evolution and all, all that garbage. You know what? Their followers are going to watch them bow the knee before God one of these days. And they're going to watch them cast a lake of fire. And then they're going to know that they're next. Imagine what that's going to be like on that day. Guess who's going to be glorified on that day? God's going to be glorified in that day. God is always glorified in everything. But what is, and it, what is predetermined, God will get glory. What is not predetermined is how that's going to go for us. And it can go good. It can go in a way that's beneficial for us. But it can go the other way. And if we can get anything from the story of Samson, is just that. God will be glorified. And I would, I would rather glorify God through my obedience than through judgment. Because we do. We glorify God when we, when we love Him, when we serve Him, when we're, we're obedient to Him. That, that, is, that, that glorifies God. That makes God look good. When we as a church are doing what we should do, as a church, when we're going out soul winning, when we're out there spreading the gospel, when we're out there being a light to the world, we're glorifying God in our obedience. And so one of the things that, you know, God was going to do is God's going to bless us in return. But if we're out there being disobedient, if we're out there, you know, breaking all the rules, doing everything in a way God said not to do it, then God's going to glorify us when he punishes us, when he drops the hammer on us. I don't want to glorify God that way. And so, you know, that's one thing. Uh, back when I was at Lighthouse, in that story of Nadab and Abihu, I referred to a few weeks ago, when they offered strange fire, and God told Aaron, said, "Don't weep for him." And God said, "I will be glorified." And and I remember I learned from that, and I preached it back then. That and I, I'm going to glorify God of my life, no matter what. That's why we're here. We are here for His pleasure. And I do believe God gets greater pleasure when we're obedient, when things go good for us. God doesn't get pleasure in the death of the wicked. But did you know God gets glorified in that when they're punished? He he doesn't want it to go that way. I don't believe God got pleasure in the way things ended for Samson, but he was glorified in the the way it ended. And so just if, if you can get that in your head, if you can get that in your kids' heads, if we can get that in everybody's heads, I think that could really change our lives in a lot of areas. And so whatever you do, don't do like Samson. 20 years, 20 years he got away with his shenanigans. Or at least he thought he was getting away with it. But it all caught up to him. And whatever sin you've got going on in your life, it's going to catch up with you. It's eventually going to nail you. And hopefully God will be merciful to you and and give you some kind of restoration. But he might not. He, he might not. He let Samson get a big victory, but wasn't even one he could enjoy. So it's not worth it. Sin is not worth it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray you'll help us to uh, learn from Samson. Lord, help us to understand sin is it's absolutely not worth it. Help us to not be deceived. Uh, help us not to be drawn away of our own lust and enticed by these things, but help us to just trust your word. Help us to follow it, even if we don't understand it. Just help us to uh, learn these lessons, Lord, from uh, what happened and help us, Lord, in our, uh, while we're going to glorify you, I pray that it will 
uh, go well for us and that we'll do it in a good way that brings you pleasure. In your name we pray. Amen.